0: Life's about perspective, isn't it? It's what we choose to see. You know, this week, um, coming up, we have, and we celebrate Veterans Day. It's an opportunity, a perspective for us to bless a veteran. And you might say, well, I I don't know any veterans. Well, you probably know more than you realize. Who here has served in any ranks of the military? Just please stand. Okay? Okay. We want to thank you for your service, and now you know someone to bless. <laughs> uh, but remember our country in your prayer as well. I'm going to introduce somebody else this morning as well. As I spoke a few weeks ago, there will be a church beginning this afternoon, this Sunday, and Pastor Mario and Jeanette are with us, so will you stand? Now you know who they are. And our prayers and our hopes and our dreams are with you in that venture. As we begin God's word this morning, you can turn to Matthew chapter 5 a while. We're engaged in a series on Jesus' sermon, often called the Sermon of the Mount. And we're at chapter 5, verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. As you turn there, let's turn our hearts to to God in prayer. Father God, we... um, We openly confess that we don't understand it all. We celebrate a communion this morning, and we thank you for that. And yet we fail to understand the full sacrifice and even what you desire for us. That's why we come to worship you. It's why we cry out to you. It's why we we work together as brothers and sisters in the Lord, because we are frail, weak, fallen human beings. But our desire, Lord, is to be like you. And so we pray, Lord, that you would teach us and lead us by your spirit, that your word would be opened up to us, that our friends and our family would just help us all to see you. We think of this week with our national election coming, we pray for your will, not our will. I think you taught us to pray that way. And no matter what happens, Lord, may we as a church be a people of hope. Because we are so often surrounded by people who have no hope. Who look at this world with a very different perspective than we do as children of God. We thank you for and celebrate this week the veterans who uh, made sacrifices again. That are way beyond anything that we could imagine. We pray too, Lord, for those that are facing some pretty difficult physical circumstances. We pray that you bless them and be with them and heal them. Whether you choose to do that in a supernatural way or through a doctor, uh, we're really up for both. We pray for others, Lord, that uh, need a healing spiritually. They've been wrestling with what it means to follow you and what it means to really enter a relationship with you and we just pray that somehow clarity comes and they step into what's best for them because that's really what your heart's desire is for us. As we again turn to your word, Lord, may you teach us, may we understand it in terms of what you desire and not what we desire, may we not reduce it down to something that's easy for us. But realize how countercultural this kingdom of God living is. Thank you that we get here to worship to an audience of one. And thank you that we get to leave this place and continue to worship you in spirit and in truth. And we pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Our world by nature is not merciful it's unmerciful past weekend holiday weekend in chicago 17 dead 38 wounded just in case you haven't seen the political ads there's little mercy displayed on all levels It's not, hey, here's how we can be a people of hope. Here's our plan. Here's our strategy. No, it's here's why the other person is worse than I am. Even in the church, when we become worldly, we are unmerciful, even though we think we are being biblical. I remember early in my ministry, I was talking to a young couple in Canada, and when they got married, she happened to be pregnant. And on the day of their wedding, the minister made them turn around to their wedding guests and confess and ask for their forgiveness. It's not like, I mean, everybody already knew, right? She was pregnant. And made them confess before he would continue the ceremony. I remember talking to them. The shame was evident. Also, the anger at many of their friends who were there and who were just as guilty as they were in terms of premarital sex they just didn't get caught now I did ask him this question I said did the minister also ask those who gossiped about your condition to stand and confess and ask forgiveness (laughs) and he didn't there was a precious lady in our last church um, very godly saintly woman growing up in the church she became pregnant out of wedlock she was 16 The church branded her with that scarlet letter in those days that they used to talk about. She was shunned by that. She had to sit in the back section reserved for sinners. She could not sit with the main body. She could not teach. She could not get involved. And they said she could not marry. And there was no mercy for decades. You know, what he, you know what she called her daughter? Faith. And she didn't allow that to make her angry or upset, but she lived a very godly life, and she gave hope to a lot of people. You know, far too often, like our culture, there are sins that we as a church refuse to show mercy, and others we pretend that they do not matter. Jesus, stay. Let's look at the context. Rome. When you study ancient philosophy, mercy literally was called the disease of the soul. Mercy was considered a sign of weakness. They worshiped absolute power. One of the examples is the rite of patria potestas. What that meant was fathers, when a child was born, could decide life or death. You know how we get the thumbs up, thumbs down thing? This is where it comes from. The baby was born, they'd held up, the father would look and go, thumbs up, the child would live. Thumbs down, the baby was drowned. Absolute power to decide the life of another. Now, if we were to look at America, what we have is not patria opitas, we have matria opitas. We call it pro choice, where a woman has absolute power over the life and death. Of a chop, So you see we're not too far removed are we In Jesus' day Citizens of Rome Who had slaves could choose life and death Over slave They could literally kill their slave for no reason And there'd be no consequence In Roman citizenship Husbands could divorce their wives over anything If they didn't like supper that she brought They could divorce her With no consequence over anything Very little mercy as already stated, we celebrate communion, where Christ died for our sin. Crucifixion of Jesus was a culmination of two merciless systems coming together. One was government and the other was religion, and they united together to kill Jesus. And in a world of rights, revenge and power, along comes Jesus and says, "Blessed are the merciful." So what is mercy? First thing I'd like to say is mercy is different than grace. Grace itself deals with sin. It deals with the guilt. It deals with the penalty. Penalty. By grace you are saved. It is a gift of God. What mercy then deals with is the consequences of sin. We often use the word compassion. The word "com" with passion means painful love. So mercy is not something that is easy. It's actually something painful. We also err to think that mercy's primarily a New Testament concept. And it's not. Remember the mercy seat with the Ark of the Covenant? The seat of God? The high priest, the atonement for sin? Hosea named one of his children mercy, which meant God will forgive Israel for the idolatry. The Psalms is full of expressions of mercy. So mercy is different than grace. It deals with the consequences of sin. Secondly, we have a God of mercy. Therefore, we must practice showing mercy. Now, practice showing mercy means it's a lifestyle. It's something that we do. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 12. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect. Jesus so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for our sins of the people. That big fancy word, propitiation, is just that he legally met the requirements. Now, I use the word practice. We have to be an intentional community. Why? Here's our tendency. See, the human tendency is that we want for ourselves but we're not willing to give other people the same consideration, which means we want to go easy on ourselves and we can be harsh on others. And we get so religious about it. In Matthew chapter 9, we have the calling of Matthew. And so Jesus is walking along, sees Matthew, starts talking with him. Matthew responds to his message, say, listen, I got a bunch of friends. Yeah, they're tax gatherers and they're sinners. Why don't you come into my house? We'll sit down and we'll have a meal. So we find Jesus there. And I love what the Pharisees do. Of course, they're following at a distance. And they're following with the disciples. And instead of addressing Jesus, who do they talk to? They talk to the disciples. And they were upset. And they started complaining to the disciples. That's called triangulation. Triangulation. Instead of sitting down with Jesus saying, listen, we don't understand why you're sitting with tax gatherers and sinners. They start complaining to Jesus. Now, does that frustrate you when people go to somebody else? I remember a situation back in my last church. And we were blessed one Sunday morning. We had one of those gospel quartets from down south. The person who organized the area brought them in and said, listen. They would like to sing just a song or two Sunday morning. But they don't want to give a concert because if they give a concert, you know, Lancaster County, people won't pay to go to the concert Saturday night. They'll come to MBIC to see a free concert. <laughs> and that goes against their business. And second of all, they said, you know, we just want to enter a worship service. We sing so often. We're on the road so often. We never get the chance just to sit and worship. So they blessed us with two numbers. I remember walking out in the lobby that day and someone who was upset with me because I didn't let them do the whole Sunday morning said loud enough for me to hear, well, we don't know what's wrong with Pastor Greg. We have these great singers in, but he's just so possessed of the pulpit and they were going on and on and on. And so I kind of turned and, no, I didn't actually. I wanted to turn and talk to her, but I didn't. I walked away. But here's what Jesus did the Pharisees are doing this triangulation and he turns to them and here's what he said but when he heard it he said those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick remember perspective he was insulting them and they didn't even know it he was saying you think you're well And because you think you're well and you act like you're well, you don't think you need me. But we all know they were not well. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. And he repeats this in Matthew 12 in a similar context where he does something. The Pharisees complain to the disciples. He's within earshot. He turns and answers them again. And so repeating this phrase is important. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Now, he's not saying that don't sacrifice. In English, we call this hyperbole. Rather, he's telling us his desire to see our lives as an expression of mercy on a daily basis. That's what we as followers of Jesus should and can do. He's saying that life is more than following a set of rituals. And rituals aren't bad. But our lives are an active reflection of our merciful high priest, Jesus. Now you notice, when he says, blessed are the merciful, there is no category for those who need mercy. He doesn't talk about disasters or those that are sick or economic oppression. It's just everybody needs mercy. Now, one of the things I hope you see the shift here in the Beatitudes We dealt with the first four, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those that mourn and repent, blessed are the meek, blessed are they that hunger and thirst for the right things. Those are what we call an internal attitude. He shifts now in this one, and what he talks about is a manifestation of what's going on inside moves to what goes on outside. So if we are poor in spirit, and if we do mourn and repent, and if we are meek, and if we hunger and thirst for the right things, then we will be a people of mercy. So if we're not a people of mercy, we've got to go back and look at one of four categories saying, okay, where did I mess up? What he's saying is that mercy is not a characteristic of the proud, the self-righteous, and the judgmental. What he's saying is mercy is not a characteristic of being vindictive, heartless, or indifference to the kingdom of God. And what he tells us is that our source of mercy is God. Luke chapter 6, verse 36. Be merciful even as your father is merciful. And therefore, him being our source, we must practice mercy. Physical, tangible acts. We had to be intentional. Why? Because there's going to be times that we are not feeling like being merciful. You know, later on in the sermon he says I want you to love your enemies. I want you to pray for people who seek to take you out. Now one of the guides is if we're trying to figure out if it's merciful or not is that mercy is always restorative. Mercy always seeks to heal. Mercy seeks to take away the consequence of the sin. doesn't matter whether they are guilty of it or someone else is guilty of the sin. Mercy is always restorative. And what that means is we have to take time to hear their story. See, mercy's desire is to help people see their design and purpose in God. Now I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 2. This for me answers the Why? Why are we merciful? Ephesians 2, beginning verse 4. Paul writes, but God, being rich in mercy. Okay, that's our source. That's our example. Because of the great love with which he has loved us. We're going to talk more about that next week. Even when we were dead in our trespasses made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Why? So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you've been saved through faith... It's not of your own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Then he says this, for we are his workmanship. See, all this stuff he's did for us, workmanship means that he made us, he designed us. He created in Christ Jesus for what? What's the next two words? Good works. What he's done in us is supposed to find a manifestation outside of us. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now later in the Sermon of the Mount, in Matthew chapter 6, he says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And he's only saying this. If we are rescued by a holy God, and if he's unlimited in his mercy... It only follows that we should be merciful to others. Amen? Jesus said, and you know, truth's important. When you talk about mercy, we are truth tellers. Jesus said, I am the truth, and this truth will set you free. When you think about truth, the counter of truth is what? Lies. And it's why lies are so devastating. Lies keep us From showing mercy. Lies keep us from receiving mercy. So what keeps us from showing mercy? I think three things. Blind eyes. We refuse to see what's around us. We want to believe our own narratives. We want to write our own narratives. Some people say, I I, I don't want to know. And so we hide from others and ourselves. People are crying for someone to listen. Listen. Now, here's what happens when we pull away from the world. It's a double edged sword. Blindness goes both ways. When we refuse to see the context in which we live, when we refuse to engage the grace and the mercy of God in the context in which we live, we then refuse to see an almighty awesome God. We don't see him at work, we don't see this miraculous intervention, we don't see how he takes wounded people and mends them, as we heard in the song. And when we have blind eyes, we confine him to our limited beliefs. And we condemn anyone who doesn't believe just like me. And we mold God in our image. And we sacrifice without mercy like the Pharisees. Secondly, we have blind hearts. Hearts that are not grounded in Christ run wild with emotions. You see this today. Mercy often is an emotional response when people are moved. So that's why they show pictures of starving kids, devastation from natural disasters. And that's when mercy becomes toxic. There's a book out called When Helping Hurts. There's another book called Toxic Charity. It's people who try to do good things but end up doing harm. And one of the formulas they use in toxic charity is this. They say, if you give one time, people receive that with appreciation. If you give to that same person two times, there's anticipation. Like, oh, we're going to get something. If you give three times, there's expectation. If you give four times, it's entitlement. Well, I should have this. Give five times, it's dependency. And if you want a great example of this, The nation of Haiti when you talk about sheer dollar amounts given to it is the largest receiver nation in the world of charitable giving. And it still is one of the poorest. Now we do this on multiple levels. We have blind hearts. Blind hearts mean that we allow our emotions to dictate and not Jesus. Think about it this way. How many times do we pay missionaries and think then, because we're paying missionaries, we're doing missions? See, we're all missionaries. And we should never ask someone else to do what we ourselves are not willing to do. So we have blind hearts, blind wills. We refuse good works for all our reasons. Let's take some controversial issues today. Black Lives Matter, and police. Everyone has their opinions. Media has their opinions. I will tell you right now, if you think that the media is always truthful, then you have believe the lie. I'll just put it that way. Amen. Amen. <laughs> By the way, I need to say this. This is always truthful, okay? Amen. Amen. But you have to ask yourself this question. For those that follow Christ... What does mercy look like towards the police today? What does mercy look like towards the protesters in Black Lives Matter or any protest? See, often we excuse ourselves through willful choice. Say, I'm not going to get involved. Blessed are the merciful. Jesus says, you don't have a choice. Pharisees had their typical obsession over things that did not matter to Jesus. Ever notice that it did not appear that Jesus was very merciful to those religious leaders? Remember the time he went on a rant and called them some pretty harsh names? So you think about the merciful high priest. I mean, listen to what he said in the one. I think this is the lowest thing that he could have called the Pharisees. In Matthew 23, just listen. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. And then he said this. For you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte. That means that they try to make people just like them. They don't try to make them like Jesus or God. They try to make them like them. You look like me. You talk like me. You walk like me. And if you do, then you are really a righteous person. No. And when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. Ouch. Can you imagine Jesus standing up and telling a group of religious leaders that they're all going to hell? I mean, that's really what he did. Now, having said this, can I suggest that mercy goes hand in hand with confrontation at times? Sometimes mercy is saying no. In Mark chapter 7, Jesus, when he was in one of these situations, he quotes Isaiah 29. Here's what he said. And could you tell that Jesus got frustrated with the the, the religious leaders? I mean, he's always saving his harshest comments for them. He said to them, well, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites? As it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. So let's understand that the reason we don't show mercy is because we have blind eyes, we have blind hearts, and we have blind wills. Which simply means then, if we're going to be a people of mercy and receive mercy and understand God's mercy. Because if we don't give mercy, that means we don't understand God's mercy, which means we cannot incorporate it into our lives. Does that make sense? It's kind of like if I refuse to be forgiving, I don't understand the forgiveness of God. And I block his forgiveness by my actions. We need alignment. We need alignment of our eyes. We've got to fix them on the author and finish for our faith, according to Hebrews 12. We got to align our hearts. Love God with all our hearts. We got to align our will. Love God with your soul, your strength, and your mind. If you didn't know this, God is looking for people to use. And you don't have to be educated. You need the right heart. You don't have to be popular in the world's eyes. You need to have the right heart. But God desires to use you. The tragedy is most people are unwilling to pay the price. In Matthew chapter 9, there's a story of two blind men. And they're crying out. And he goes to their house. And Jesus asks them a very interesting question when they enter into the situation. Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Then he touched their eyes, and here's what he said. According to your faith, be it done to you. Now, I love this verse. Not because it's a formula or a method for healing. But what Jesus says is this. We get to choose. We get to choose how much God will bless us. We... Don't understand that when we refuse to be merciful, God's blessings are removed from us because we remove ourselves from His presence. We literally walk away. But we get to choose how much God will use us to bless other people. We get to choose, to quote Ricky last week, whether we're gonna stay in the boat or whether we're gonna get out of the boat. We get to choose to be merciful. So GBC, what are we choosing to believe this morning? Now I'd love to ask you as a result of Ricky preaching last week, what did you do? (laughs) Now do you understand that's really where Jesus is going with his sermon? He said, okay, here's the first four things. As a result of these four things, what are you going to do? And I want you to be a people of mercy. Now I'm going to give you two questions in closing. And I want you to think about these two questions. Years 2016. I want you to think about these questions in context of America and our world. I see these questions identifying how Jesus lived. And we'll get into more of it next week. But here's the first question. Where is the church least expected to be? You know, the life of Jesus, we found him where? Sitting in the house of tax gatherers and sinners. He was not expected to be there. In fact, he was criticized. He was called a friend of sinners. They found him in the leper colonies. And they found him where all those people that were designated as untouchables. So where is the church? Test. Oh, now we're on. There we go. Second question Who is the church least expected to be with? I want you to think about that because that's where mercy applies. Where is the church least expected to be, and who is the church least expected to be with? We're going to close. Worship team's going to come. We're just going to take some time to praise God. But I want you to pray with me as they come. Father God, um, you are incredible. And your mercy is way beyond anything that we can grasp or comprehend. And yet we understand that we are supposed to be a people of mercy. I pray for the church this week in this election cycle that we will be a people of mercy no matter what happens. I pray whether we encounter protesters politicians or police, that we will be a people of mercy. I pray, Lord, that we wake up every single day asking, God, who do you want us to bless today? Who do you want us to show mercy on? And walk with that person the way that you walk with us. What an incredible opportunity, Lord. We're amazed that you allow us to be your workmanship, that you allow us to do good works. I pray for all the lies that we believe. Just rid our brain and our bodies of those. I pray for all the voices that distract us. I pray for all the idols that we put our hope in and we bow down to and we give our lives to. Rid those. Take them away. May your spirit just identify those in our life because there's so many. And I pray, Lord, that we as a church become... A church of mercy. Church of grace and mercy. Of course, it's all to your glory. And we pray these things in your name. Amen.